Hi, welcome to the Food in the Edge podcast, and I'm your host, JP McMahon. Thank you for listening to the Food in the Edge podcast. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts as it will help us connect with more people like you. We release our podcasts fortnightly, usually at the beginning of the month and midway through the month. Our podcast focuses on food and its importance in our society. Each fortnight, we talk to different speakers from around the globe on different food issues that are affecting them. If you're interested in these issues, please subscribe and tell your friends. If you have any comments on the subject of the podcast we were discussing today, please share your ideas with us. You can do so on Twitter and it's at Food on the Edge or on Instagram, which is the same. Or you can also leave a comment on Facebook. Our hashtags are Join the Conversation and FOTE 2021. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the different food issues that we're discussing each fortnight. Is there a particular issue you want us to talk about? Just get in touch. So let's continue the conversation on Twitter and you can find us at Food on the Edge. If you'd like to be in with a chance to win a copy of my cookbook, The Irish Cookbook, share a screenshot of this podcast on your Instagram stories and tag at Food on the Edge. Hi, everyone, and you're very welcome to this edition of the Food and the Edge podcast. Today, I am talking to the, I suppose, illustrious chef, Nathan Outlaw, uh, who is based in uh, in Cornwall in, uh, in England. Hey, Nathan, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Um, it's been uh, it's been a while since we talked. I think it was I think it was 2019, possibly uh, when we last uh, chatted at, at Food on the Edge um, in that that October. I suppose little did we know the following February or March would uh, would end up in this kind of crazy time for uh, for restaurants. Yeah, I don't think anyone could have uh, first foreseen that. You know, what's gone on over the last couple of years, but no, it has been a while. I, I, I'm missing Galway. I need to get back there soon. Well, well, hopefully, we, we if we have food in the edge this year, I suppose with all the changes on in Dublin, it's on next Monday and Tuesday, and and fingers crossed, we're we're gonna hopefully be there for the next two or three years. So it's a beautiful urban farm in the in the city centre. So I will hope you will be back um, next year, the year after, and. Uh, to I suppose tell us more about about yourself and and fish and and how things are are going in um in uh, in uh, in England. Yeah, well, at the moment it's uh, yeah, we know we've we, it's been a well this year's been crazy, hasn't it? I mean, it's obviously the COVID stuff, but with outside of that, as soon as we could open, people just won't have gone mad and they just want to eat in restaurants. So it's gone from one extreme to the other. Absolutely. Like we, I'll tell you how crazy it is. Like we were closed in an ear for 18 months and then we reopened the end of July and we had our biggest, our busiest August ever in 10 years. And it's just like it, there's, it's just like it, you go, it's gone, you're going from zero to 100 the minute yeah. you open the door. And it's hard to just kind of get back into that when you haven't been, uh, been there, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing in it is a bit like, you know, when you, I don't know, I always remember being a young chef and how how bad my legs felt after them long days, and then I thought that was gone past me, and then I got back into the kitchen <laughs> after the lockdowns, and I it all started again. It, it brought back some memories of being a young chef, that's for sure. 
No, definitely. And I, I don't know if it's, I suppose, 18 months and like I, I suppose turned 40, 43 now, but definitely I'm starting to feel, I'm starting to feel old. I think chefs are like um, Premier League football players, you know, your your best years are your 25 or your 20 <laughs> to 30. And then by 32, you're you're getting old. you got to go into management um, and you, you can't be on there because some of the, some of my younger chefs are just slagging me off saying you're, you're an old, you're an old lad now. It's like 43, you know, they're only 22. And I was just like, oh my God, they're like, oh, we'll help you. We'll help you clean up. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Um, we're both, we're both the same age. So that's, yeah, we, we, I'll definitely get it exactly the same as you. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I just feel sometimes, and their chefs are just getting younger. It's like they're not, they're not getting older. And we actually recently had a, a chef who was the same age as me. And the guys were like saying, is, is he not a bit old? And I was like, he's the same age as me. It's like, he's, it's like he's not old. If, if he's old, I'm old. And they were like, I oh, know you're the owner. And I was like, he's he's 43. If he can cook, he can cook. Um, but um, yeah, but I suppose I wanted to, the first thing I wanted to ask you was, I mean, how I mean, how how COVID was for you in terms of um, in terms of your business and uh, the, the changes you had to make or, or I suppose how it was going through successive lockdowns. And I presume, I mean, we're nearly out of it now in, in, in Ireland. I, I think we're kind of similar, similar uh, stages or we're possibly Ireland is a little bit behind. But I suppose what was the what were the most kind of dramatic changes you had to make over the course of the of the 18 months that possibly you never you never would have thought you'd have to make? Well, I mean, I think the first thing was that, um, uh, you know, I don't know if you, you know, but we um, we opened a restaurant in London um, in conjunction with a hotel, which unfortunately, because it was only so, because it was so young, it was only been open for like seven, eight months, just hadn't got to that point where it could sort of, you know, sustain that period of being closed. So we had to close that, which was a real shame because it had a great, great team in it. That was that's the first time in my career, you know, I've had to do something like that, you know, tell a lot of people that unfortunately, yeah, there's, there's, this thing's over, you know? So that was, yeah, I don't think that level of stress um, and pressure in, uh, you know, obviously, you know, not, yeah, obviously I lost my own consultancy within that as well, which I was going to London. So that was, that was very hard. And then that, after coming back from London and telling those guys, you know, they hadn't got a job anymore, it was getting back to Cornwall and thinking I'm going to have to do the same thing to all my crew there as well, you know, because we didn't know that there was going to be a furlough. We didn't know there was going to, you know, what support we're going to have. I, you know, I, I knew how much money we had in the bank and how long we could survive without any customers, but it wasn't very long. It was only like two or three months maximum, and then it would have been the same thing. So, I mean, to be honest, you know, that, that, that first week of when it all kicked off and the realisation came of like, you know, this is turning the world upside down is, um, it is the most stressful thing I've, you know, I've ever, ever experienced in, in your career. So your mind is going everywhere. It's, um, yeah, it's not something I'd hopefully will ever want to see again in my lifetime. Yeah, it was quite surreal. It just it brought me back to, I remember we having the last meal in the restaurant and it was just like, like we were, when we were closing, we made a decision to close just before the government. I think it was a week before the government closed them all. But we were just saying, "Oh, this is getting bad." And okay, but we 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 thought it would be two or three weeks, and we thought, "Well, shut up, we'll close and we'll we'll reopen." But it was very hard not being. And this was before all the supports came 
been being able to tell the staff I don't know what's going on and we uh, we don't have any I suppose yeah we have to close and um it was uh, yeah it was certainly um certainly a surreal um, surreal, surreal time yeah, I mean, I suppose after when, once that sort of the work, the shock of it, and you know, and then obviously getting the support and then starting to calm down a little bit. I mean, the biggest thing that I had really in, in that time in that first lockdown was just that time to think. Yeah, and it sort of started off with sort of negative stuff, I suppose, if I'm being really honest. Um, but then it sort of started, as you do, I don't know, no, the way I work and my mind works, I, I sort of work it out for myself. And, you know, and I, I sort of got myself into a positive place where I knew what I I needed to do and what I thought I needed to do for myself and for the business. And, and I set about making changes to the way that we sort of, you know, I thought if we're going to come back to it, we're going to come back to it in, in a way that I want it to run and how I want the team to, 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 to work and, you know, and what sort of pressure I want to put everyone under on, 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 you know, on a day and what I want the customers to have. And it sort of gave me the first, first time ever in my life to have a real good think about everything. Yeah, no, I think me too. And I think I think after, as you were saying, like after that kind of negative couple of weeks and there, I mean, there was plenty of time to think about things, but certainly, I mean, we made a decision not to open an ear like in the lockdown or in the gaps between where we opened for eight weeks and then we were closed again. And because it was just, I, I just felt it wasn't, A, it wasn't worth it with no tourism. And we just, I just said that there's no point in like flogging a dead horse. It's just like we said, well, what can we do? And we focused on cooking classes. And look, we, 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 I suppose, and we, we were also had to like, keep the staff and say, well, where can we put them to work? And I mean, some things worked. I mean, we tried takeaways and boxes and all mm-hmm. sorts of things, and hampers. And I mean, some of them stuck and some of them were just, realize oh my god why why did we start doing this yeah um, i've got a whole i've got a whole new respect for takeaway oh yeah <laughs> absolutely it's not easy <laughs> no i mean we were doing boxes and boxes and like literally i think there was as many of us doing boxes for 20 customers that we could that we could do 60 in the restaurant it was just so labor intensive yeah yeah and and, and we realized that we realized along the way in cava uh, our tapas bar was that it was just not it wasn't like we never built it to be a takeaway and no. like the food it was just the food wasn't traveling well and even though people were saying i oh, know it's nice but i knew in my heart it wasn't it wasn't what it should be so we actually after uh, it was only during the first lockdown that we actually did take away in cav and then we just decided not to reopen it until 2021 and it was a hard decision for the staff as well but i think it was just knowing that look some food is built for takeaway and and some isn't and there was no point to try and do something that we that we couldn't do yeah, we were the same as well. We just tried to take away and just realised we weren't equipped for it and not equipped for it properly, you know. I mean, it's something, I mean, I've, you know, like I said, I've got a whole new respect for people that do well in takeaways because it's not straightforward. And, yeah, the, the amount of prep work when you're trying to put out food of your, you like you say, the standard that you expect and your customers expect as a takeaway format, it's just, it, it's not, it's pretty difficult. <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I thought I'll leave that to the pros. I, I think I would, we, we were happy when we could get back to people coming into the restaurant that's for sure 
Yeah, and, and and what changes did you make in your in your own? Like, I mean, did you with restaurant and outlaw? And, like, is that that is like a, a new road now? Is it? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, basically, yeah. I mean, I was. I mean, that, that's. A, I mean, the actual changing of restaurant Nathan Outlaw to Outlaws New Road was something that I'd had in my mind for a while. I mean, lockdown and um, and COVID just gave me the. Um, I suppose the the excuse, I suppose, but the, no, it gave me the reason to change it because it was just the right time to start a chapter after what we've all gone through, and with doing things exactly as I want. You know, I've, I just found the restaurant Nathan Outlaw as the, as the way it was. It just got to a bit like paint by numbers, and and it was the expectation so high. Um, because of um, obviously the price and 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 because of what the reputation it got for the restaurant being two stars and and um, etc etc and it's just sort of like it became a bit a bit a bit stale and not that that fun and and I mean I thought I'm I'm far from done with cooking I love cooking so I just got to, but I couldn't be in a kitchen where it was just by you know like filling in a in a yeah filling in a coloring book you know it wasn't actually yeah, there was yeah. no so I, I i you know we where we are now with outlaws new road and i mean the reason why i changed it i wanted to make make what we were doing more accessible and i wanted to make it more fun for for the staff for for the chefs and for the front of house and also for for the customers and i wanted to make it a bit more upbeat a little bit more bit yeah you know, a bit more fun and yeah and just relax and you know it's half the price of what it was before i mean it's still expensive because it's you know it's um seafood and you know what seafood is expensive and you can't run a well, you you got a cheap seafood restaurant then saying on your seafood you know <laughs> so yeah but, um it's um it was just it, it just felt like the right time to do it um and you know and 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 i'm i'm re- I'm, I'm more focused and more happy in about what i'm doing now than i have been for at least 15 20 years you know all the time of cooking it's just it seems to have all come together and you know an outlaws fish kitchen our little little restaurant as well is is still you know doing a great great job and yeah i've got some good good head chefs with me as well and they they're just yeah solid so yeah we were in a real good i feel like i've just started my my career which is weird eh after cooking for such a long time, I think, but. No, I, I think I had a similar, and like I, 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 when I saw what you were doing, I mean, we had a similar. Even though we like we we reopened an ear and we we got um, some new staff, and I, 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 I certainly felt like the change that we had to make was more internal and i i do agree with you that that because of the i suppose when you when you have a star or two that things become very programmatic you know and then like the menu's not changing because we're afraid to change the menu because things have to stay the same and consistency and and i i suppose when we reopened i i, I said to the guys like i just don't want to go back to that i want to have a certain like as you said fun i said that, like if we're not having fun there's no point because yeah. like we're in here a lot and like of course the customers are enjoying themselves but if we're going to be this serious bunch of people i said like what's the point i mean like we we have to be able to have fun train people and at the same time have a better balance of um of uh of life and uh, mm-hmm. and work and i don't think we had that and i think i hope that's what i see in the industry one of the main transformations is that people are are, are pulling back a bit saying well will we, will we do a four-day week will we do uh like a five-day but maybe do a shorter one or let's not do lunches or whatever's possible for for different people but i definitely think that that was one of the things for me um was one of one of the the, the biggest eye openers because yeah I, I think you just kind of get into a 
into a rut. And I think COVID kind of broke that habit of just going in every day and doing what you do. And yeah. the fact that you had 18 months to, to think about it was like, well, what are we going to do? And I was like, look, we're not going to go back to this kind of stress-filled place where like everyone, like we, we have to just kind of be more confident in ourselves and and, and, and take it easier, you know? And if something yeah. comes out, if we want to change the menu, we want to change the menu, you know? And uh, I think that that had kind of impeded some of the chefs because everything had to be so exact. And they were yeah. worried that, well, like it over almost overthinking it and it had lost its mm. cre- creative spark. Yeah, I mean, so is that, I mean yeah, the pressures of, um, like you say, the expectation. Just, it, I think it brings that. That's what they, where that comes from. And we, you know, because because we, we naturally want people to have a good time and enjoy their enjoy what they, what we do, and so we want to share that. You, you, that that's what happens. But I think, you know, it, it's almost like I mean, I, I love coming into the restaurant in, on a day and just sort of, well, what we got? Let's let's just go for it, you know. And and that that sort of thing is sort of in it. I mean, that's where I can I know that go long term. I can make the environment of all the kitchen, yeah, you know, the two kitchens that we run down here, um, real good places for young young chefs to come into and and to learn a lot as well and to be challenged every day as well. I mean, personally, if I was a young chef coming into the industry, I mean, how the novelty of doing the same thing again and again and again will you know will just yeah you know, you'll be bored with it so quickly. So I mean, I think I just want it to be an environment where people are just like. Like, you know, if you're a sponge, you're gonna you're gonna learn so much, you know, and that's that's a big thing about you yeah, because getting people into the kitchen and getting them, yeah, you know, the, the industry is short of chefs, and so you've, yeah, if we all do our little bit, then yeah, hopefully we can inspire young people to come in and and have a go. Yeah, I think, and I think for me as well. Um, is that sometimes when you're doing the cer- same thing every day, there's a certain de-skilling and, and when things don't change. And I think sometimes I see that with chefs who spend two or three years at a very high level. But if 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 one type of cooking wasn't done there, that it's it, it almost becomes completely redundant, you know. And uh, I think that kind of force, almost forcing the chefs to 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 change and to keep on to keep uh, fresh. I, I think also keeps it makes it more interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, I wanted to ask you about like uh, wh- where your where your love of fish came from. Like I know your 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 father was a uh, a chef as well, or or, or a ba- or a baker. I wasn't uh, too 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 sure exactly, but like was was cooking always in like in in the family? And like I suppose what was what was what was food like for you um, for you growing up? Yeah, I mean, well, well, firstly, I mean, uh, yeah, Daddy, he was a chef for fifty years. He only he only retired um, a lot the first lockdown. Yeah, that's when I, he retired. The so he, I, I think the last time I met him, he was baking. That's why. Yeah, I yeah, it. no, that's where I stuck him at the end of his career, <laughs> making the scones in uh, in in London. But now he's um, he was a chef for uh, yeah fifty years. So I've only ever known him as you know as a, as a, yeah as a chef, and 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 he was the one you know inspired me to cook in the first place. Because I think the thing that I always got from him was, you know, I used to go in with him when I was like, I don't know, eight, nine years old, and and I'd actually go in on a Saturday morning and help him do the breakfast because all the other chefs were off because they did the Monday to Friday gig, and um, yeah, I think yeah, the times that I went in the kitchen with him when the other chefs there, I just loved the, the yeah, sort of like the camaraderie, the sort of the way that they were all, I suppose, the banter. I mean, young, as a young kid, it's sort of quite funny to um, be in that environment, and um, yeah, and I. And I just and he was very he's very proud about what he produced, you know. And I always saw that, and I've always I think it didn't really dawn on me, but more so now it's sort of re- I realised that you know, 
yeah, when he would come home and show me what he'd done, or, you know, this was before mobile phones with cameras, you know, he'd have to sort of show you it, or he'd have a picture, and, it, and I think that just rubbed off on me. So, you know, the, the whole family really of, um, you know, always being in hospitality, you know, both my grandfathers, both my nans, you know, my mum, but yeah, dad, the whole lot, all of us have been in hospitality. So I think it's just one of those things, uh, um, you know, I've, I mean, I, the only other thing I ever wanted to do was to be an animator, but I just wasn't good enough at it. So I, I realised that quite quite early. So, but the actual um, cooking thing, I sort of realised that it's um, one of those jobs where, yeah, I didn't get into it for for any of those. So I didn't realise there was accolades and things like that for it. It was more because I just loved cooking and I enjoyed it, and it was just and it became yeah. Whereas academically, not. I'm not the. I wasn't the, the greatest. Yeah. Um, the, the, the practical side of things, you know, if I if I make something, I know it's a, I make it once and then I don't forget it. So that's my only gift I've got. <laughs> so, so that sort of thing is, um, you know, it's uh, I think inspired by it from a young age, and I think the love the love of fish really really the nostalgia of being. A, the, probably my favourite times as a child was going to the seaside and and spending time, um, you know, with a bag of fish and chips and maybe you know watching the fishermen come in, you know, with with a catch and stuff like that. And I, to be honest with you, I wasn't really a fan of of fish um, eating wise, and apart from fish fingers or fish and chips, um, until I started working for Rick Stein in, in Padstow, and that's when I sort of. That's when it opened up the world of all, you know, yeah, the possible, the endless possibilities of of seafood and 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 yeah, the quality of seafood and that. I think when I saw that, I was like, yeah, this is this is what I, lo- yeah, this is what I love. So, and from that day on, I just, I was, I suppose you could call it obsessive or you know, nerdy, but I'd, yeah, it's that's what I love. And I think it's because I aim to, I always aim to get it perfect and get it right and get the best the best seafood I can but I know that there'll always be a better fish there'll always be a more perfectly cooked piece of fish you know out there that I can hopefully achieve and and what what year was what what year did you start cooking in uh, with Rick and Padstow um 1997 did you you grow up there or are are you from London originally no I'm originally from Kent so okay. south on the southeast coast, um, but I would, yeah, we would spend like most because it was a cheap thing to do, to, you know, to go to the seaside, you know, and spend the day there. Yeah, that's where we usually would go most nice weekends. Sometimes even bad weekends, you still go there because it was just, I suppose, my mum having two two boys the same sort of age going out, it'd be probably getting rid of our energy. I would imagine just by running around on the beach. But yeah, no, those, those sort of early early memories memories of being by the seaside and still now is um is is a lot to do with why i love seafood and, and um i suppose like rick definitely then um had a i suppose i mean he had a very a very positive effect uh, on me about fish as well i remember buying his uh i think it was the, the cookery school book um yeah that uh and and bec- yeah for me as well i mean we didn't grow up eating that much fish i mean like it wasn't really seen as a kind of uh as a as something that was a like a celebration of food which was unfortunate and it wasn't really until my late late teens and early 20s when i went to spain and realized that oh my god like this like seafood is amazing and, I, and then i got realized that we had great seafood in ireland and but mm. definitely rick stein uh 
played a played a big um, um, I suppose a formative uh, formative influence on on, uh, on on my thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, he's a, for me. He's uh, he's in like um, he's up there as like yeah, one of the best in terms of what I saw. I mean, be working in that kitchen as a young chef and um, being there and seeing what because he'd already when I went there I was nineteen, so I, he'd already been open for like over twenty years at that point. I mean, I think I think the restaurant is nearly forty six or forty seven years old. Like he's wow. been going for a long time. So yeah, to be part of going somewhere like that where you've um into a kitchen that's well established and 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 with its suppliers and fishermen and you know, seeing the because Rick, you know, basically he would get he would travel, bring back the knowledge that he'd seen, stolen, taken, whatever. And then he would it 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 imply that you know he would put those um yeah, those techniques or those sort of all that knowledge into into Cornish seafood. And and the result was like because the seafood was so good coming off the west coast like yeah, it does it was it was it was great I mean and to this day I mean like I mean I've eaten in some great restaurants around the world I'm very lucky and and obviously cooked cooked some nice seafood but yeah when then Rick, the Rick Stein when his classic dishes are done to perfection there's not much better you know, than a piece of turbot with some hollandaise or a char grilled Dover sole you know or a nice just simple grilled or steamed lobster with with um, thin herbs and butter sauce them sort of things you think they they're just so good yeah no no absolutely i completely agree with you i think sometimes that the, the thing i love about the seafood and i mean i think about 50 or 60 percent of our menu in an ear is, is is seafood it's just that i mean when you get a great piece of seafood i mean most of the work is done for you you know it's it's like if you get amazing clams or amazing lobsters you you almost have to just cook it in the simplest way possible to achieve that that beauty and it's 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 not kind of labor intensive you know yeah, no, I mean, the hardest thing with, I think, with seafood is to keep it simple. I think you can, you can always, as chefs, we, we love to sort of show off sometimes of what skills we got and we overstep the mark. <laughs> so, but it's like when you've got something as beautiful as, and as wild as it is, you sort of, uh, yeah, you got to put the, you got to put the handbrake on a bit. Yeah, no, I think definitely. I remember actually having having fish once in in a three star, and I remember saying to uh, who was with me, "God, I think this fish has been touched too many times." Like <laughs> in, in 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 that way that I think it was over like over over elaborate. I mean, it yeah. wasn't. The- it wasn't bad. It was just that almost the fish became just an element in an elaborate dish, as opposed yeah. to I think it was pickerel or something. But it just didn't have the kind of it didn't sing the way yeah. in which whether you you uh, you you, uh, you you cook it and then and then serve it. And so for me, it's it's about trying to how do you achieve that and still and and still kind of restrain yourself. That's that's the hardest thing because as you said, we chefs just like to show off and elaborate, and sometimes <laughs> the hardest thing to do. Is is, is to is to hold back and say, look, let's just cook this and and give it to the customer, and the, and the, they they will enjoy it. Yeah. Um. And, and and tell me when when did um like you were there at nineteen? When did uh when did you get I suppose the the first chat to open your own restaurant? Uh, I when I did it, I did a few years with Rick, and then um, the head chef at the time, a guy called Paul Ripley, told me to sort of um, I sort of learn everything. Uh, that, you know, he said if you you know you need to go. And 
get some more experience in different places. So I went to a couple of country house hotels uh, for a few years, but realised that it was sort of a bit like middle middle earth. I didn't I could, without the sea. I was sort of like it wasn't the happiest time. I learned a lot, but I wanted to get back to 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 you know to the seaside. So I opened a opened my first restaurant, um, which is called the Black Pig. Um, and that was in two in 2003. So I was 24, I think 24 at the time. And um, yeah, that was when I opened the first place. That was it was May 2003. And the only, only reason why I know that is my son was born two weeks before. So that was he's 18 now. So that's it. So that's when it was. Was that, was that in Cornwall? Yeah, yeah, it was in Cornwall. It was in Rock. So we, um, in in Rock, basically it's opposite Padstow. So Padstow, where Rick is, there's an estuary between uh, the Camel Camel Estuary. And on the other side, you've got Rock. And so um, with with my in-laws, we we got the lease on a a little lock-up restaurant. And uh, yeah, we opened that. And yeah, we were there for, yeah, a few years. Um, Yeah, we we were open... I, think we were, I was in the kitchen myself and one other um, uh, young lad, and then basic. Well, I say young lad. I was young then, but <laughs> yeah, young lad. And um, yeah, no, we've been open eight months, and we got a star. So that's where I oh, suppose. Wow. <laughs> yes, I think that's 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 where it sort of all all kicked off really for me. So it was, yeah, I wasn't we wasn't planning to for that to to happen, but I think where I'd worked at some good places before I'd worked, you know, in my earlier career before I got to Rick's to get to before Rick, I'd worked for Gary Rose and I worked for a guy called Eric Chavot, a French chef, very good in in London, who was was at the capital at the time. But I, I worked for him in his independent restaurant, and I went to work for John Campbell as well when he was at the vineyard at Stock Cross. Um, he went on to get, a, he was a two-star chef as well. So, I mean, I think working at those places as a sous chef and as a head chef, I just got, I think they must have known through the, yeah, the catering press that I'd opened the place. Um, but I'd ne- I didn't write to them. I didn't I didn't do anything to, to get any attention. But it, obviously they, they do keep their ears to the ground. And yeah, we opened in the May and in the January because Michelin used to come out in January back then, not in not in October or September when it does now. But um, yeah, and we got a star and I, I just did not expect that at all. <laughs> That must have changed. I, I know when when Anir got its star, it was like an avalanche hitting the place because we had opened what we thought was a like a bistro. Like come, like it wasn't. We certainly didn't open a fine dining restaurant. We opened a, a like a nice upmarket restaurant with no tablecloths or anything, just to just to do Irish food and to explore Irish food. And I remember thinking, well, look, if if we got a bib gourmand, it would be lovely. But it was like an avalanche hitting the place in terms of reservations and like needing staff and all. Like it was before it was so simple before that. And um yeah, it must it must have been um it must it must have changed a lot at the restaurant. Yeah, no, it, well, it's yeah, it was overnight. It was sort of because um, it was January. I mean, January in Cornwall is very quiet, so it, it sort of it was very. We were expecting to have, a, I suppose, like a very. Yeah, I always remember the out of season going on for months and months back then. It probably wasn't months and months. It just felt like it. But um, yeah, no, it was really good. It just sort of from there, it was just a catalyst for just being, I suppose, known that we were doing some good stuff. And from there, I suppose, yeah, you're getting the appearance on doing 
great British menu and and doing things like Saturday Kitchen and BBC and things like that. That was just where it all that that was the attention that was needed to be able to you know to I suppose people to know that you were cooking good food and uh, and from there on I suppose it just sort of went on. Yeah, no, uh, uh, absolutely. And what what way? I mean, I presume you were serving fish. I mean, what inspired you to call it the black pig? Well, yeah, well, it's two reasons really. There was, there was apparently we were trying to look, you know, we were trying to uh, name it with something that was interesting locally. And there was apparently a pirate ship that was um, that used to be in Cornwall called the Black Pig. Then once we'd opened it and branded it and put everything on there, someone, the person who told me, said they were lying. They said it was just literally from Captain Pugwash. <laughs> So the, boat, the boat in Captain Pugwash was called the Black Pig and I was like oh my god so we'd already done everything and opened it and everything so that yeah so it was uh, it was it, I was I got stitched up by a mate there and uh, it was quite fun what you were going to say to me was after the Iberian pig and I was like you were going to tell you it was, it was something yeah. uh, something uh, along uh, along those lines and yeah. like where, where when did when did you close that place well, that was it. Was literally only open for like three years, um, and ba- it was just the, the business deal that I was in with. I mean, it was just I was young, yeah. You know, I was doing crazy hours, young baby, yeah. And I was just sort of like, it, it was one of those concoctions. And I think yeah, some, I think many of people have gone through it in life. You just make a decision, and you sort of, you know, if you were probably thinking about it too much, you probably wouldn't have done it. But it was you. I think when you when you're young like that, and you've got lots of, and you think you've got lots to prove and and lots to show you go in with a two-footed tackle and you just sort of go for it and yeah it lasted for luckily i mean i from there i mean i moved on to a place um just outside padstow called st Irvine manor which was i just become an employed chef um that only lasted a few years because that yeah the owners of that place decided that they didn't like cornwall and they wanted to move back to london um and then and then i got then in 2008 um I got approached by um, a hotelier in in Foy, which is South Cornwall, the opposite coast for where we are now, in North Cornwall, and um, in Foy, and they just asked me to open Restaurant Nathan Outlaw. So the, for the first time, that's when that opened in 2008, and um, there, I mean, we got Star as well, and and it was really good in a hotel, um, and that unfortunately, I don't know, it happened in 2009 was the big credit crunch. Yeah, yeah. And so all everything went. You know, you know, on its on its head, really, and um, basically, the guy who owned that place had to sell everything. So, luckily, I'd made friends with a hotelier um, on the north coast in a, in a hotel called St Irvin Manor, uh, sorry, St Enidoc Hotel. Um, and that's in Rock as well, back where the Black Pig was. Um, and he is a lovely hotel there. And I'd already sort of opened a more casual seafood and grill restaurant while still having Restaurant Nathan Outlaw in Foy on the South Coast. And when all that happened, um, I, they had a spare like lounge room and that, that I was able to turn turn um, into a fine dining restaurant. So we had two restaurants running side by side in, in the St. Enderduck Hotel in Rock, which is uh, seafood and grill and then we had restaurant Nathan outlaw in its second location and that's when we opened that and got two stars straight away in that dining room and that was i mean it was just because we could just focus on 10 tables and it was just me and two other chefs in the kitchen and we just yeah we could and that's when the first time that's the first time that i went to a straightforward tasting menu seafood only and um and yeah, that, you, you opened like that you opened that and you you I mean you had that many from from the get-go like that was the, that was the only choice 
Yeah, I mean, no, the room was big enough for 10 tables, so we put 10 tables in it. The kitchen was only big enough for three chefs, so we put three chefs in it. And when I'm around, it's that, you know, how big I am, so it's, that's pretty yeah, tight. Yeah. Anyway. And then, um, and yeah, and I said, let's do it, let's go for it. So we, yeah, because we had the other restaurant open that was doing meat fish and veggie food like we i said let's just just this this niche it let's go uh, this is what i've always wanted to do this is it's what i love let's just let's just concentrate on seafood so that's when we opened um we opened that i think it was 2010 i want to say 2010 but i think it was we opened in the february and then got two stars straight away so yeah, that's, that's, that's a fantastic achievement with with uh, with only three chefs. You know, it's uh, it really yeah. testifies to the to the, I suppose the, the 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 purity of what's on the plate. You know, yeah, it was all. I mean, it's about the sourcing. What I try and do is I try, yeah, not to muck around too much with 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 the ingredients and but buy the best ingredients, obviously that I can get my hands on. But then it's just sort of that balance of everything and making sure that the whole thing along, yeah, looking at the amount of food that you're eating and everything, yeah, not trying to outshine shine the the the, the, the main the main thing at the party, the seafood, really. And I, it's. I'd like to say it sounds like I'm making it sound easy. Obviously, it's not. It's bloody hard work. But it's uh, it's um, it's always been. Yeah, what I love about food is when you have something that's so simple, but you think you don't know quite. You can't quite put your finger on how they got it so good. Like how how yeah, whether it be for the sourcing or by the lit, yeah, and that's that's for me the restraint is um, yeah, and I think yeah, that's only the only way I can yeah think why is Michelin give it two over one when the food before was always one? I think it's because it was that just total focus on seafood. It was like an example. We were just trying to do just seafood as good as we could, and because there was no choice, it was take, you could just you know get. Yeah, you could just focus so much on the cooking of it, the curing of it, the freshness of it, making sure you were doing ten tables. So there was no, there was no wastage. Every day we'd start with nothing in the fridge and take whatever the fishermen have got. Um, and I think that's where you can, you know, it's 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 much simpler to do it like that than say if you're in a hotel or you know you're in a place where you've got lots of different things, get you juggling lots of balls and stuff. But yeah, no, it was it was a good time, but. Uh, yeah, obviously, ultimately, what that ended up being was um, a restaurant that became, you know, the expectation became so much to go in there that you ju- you just got to a point where you just didn't want to change things because you just didn't want people to not get what they were expecting, you know, and that's, that's the real shame about it. So it, it's a great experience and I'll never, I'll never, you know, everything we gained from it in terms of uh, experience and uh, and knowledge is is what sets what we're doing now and, and it's what making what we're doing we've still got that standard there but albeit we just we just try and do it a little bit more off the cuff than we did before and 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 in in relation to like there was only three of you in the kitchen like what had you had it was the floor quite formal to begin with in terms of uh, like people's um um, I suppose people's understanding or their perception of Michelin. I know, I know it's something when we got the star, people used to say, uh, oh God, this is a very informal restaurant to have a star. But again, I mean, it wasn't, I suppose we didn't open it to, uh, and Michelin, I suppose, uh, it, it just thought it deserving of a, of a star. So it was like, well, look, that's just the way it is, you know? Um, but uh, have you, uh, what, what, what way was the floor? I mean, were the waiters in suits and, uh, uh, and and the, in terms of the wine list and all that, or was it just solely on the? Were you just focusing on the food? 
Yeah, I mean, the food obviously was the main focus, then it was backed up with, with, with smart service. But on the floor, there was only two front of house and then and then a couple of part-time guys that were helping out either you know through the week um but it was just we just kept everything very clean very precise and then what was on the menu on the wine you know on the wine list for example you know they, they knew a lot about it you know they they knew what they were doing and they spend a lot of time and because because yeah that focus like of keeping it small sweet and sharp like in everything we did i think that's just where the experience yeah if you had the the tasting menu with the wines it was just like a good solid you know sort of experience and it was consistent very very consistent as consistent as probably we ever had it there really to be honest with you um but the, you know it was it would you, you would call it a fine definitely a fine dining restaurant i mean you add tablecloths um but then obviously then then after we'd been there for you know i moved it into its own location which rachel my wife and i yeah we owe we now own and it's our restaurant where it is now in port isaac and when we moved it we we removed the tablecloths and we the guys weren't dressed in sort of like as, as as i suppose in in sort of jackets and ties they were just a bit more relaxed and and we still maintained it so i mean uh, unless you know i haven't got this is one a lot of people ask me about mission and they ask me about you know how do you do this now to be the simple answer is i don't know I've never had that conversation like that. I've always, it's always been, you know, I've met a few inspectors and they come to the restaurant, they said hello, show me their card and ask you a few, ask me a few questions about my suppliers and where I get things from. But I've never, you know, I've never experienced them saying, you got to do this, you got to do that. So I suppose you just got to believe in yourself. And that's, uh, that, that's what I've taken from my experience with it always, that you just got to believe in what you're doing and, and then, then it'll come if it's meant to come really yeah no I, 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 uh, I, I, absolutely and the it, I mean, of course it being in Cornwall I mean Cornwall is so associated with fish anyway but was there ever was there ever any issue with uh, I suppose particularly at the beginning of customers looking for looking for more or how did you tackle that uh, like with someone uh, being vegetarian or that or uh, was it was it um, was were, were they issues or did, did you just kind of plow, plow ahead yeah, I mean, in the early days, we had a few issues where people were saying, you, you know, you can't just do fish. But my answer to that was, well, we can do what we want to do, really. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, but, but it was because it was such a niche restaurant, we wasn't advertising anything other than doing fish. And then I think in the early days when I had the black pig, I mean, it, my, re- my menu was 50-50 meat and fish. And then I created vegetarian food on request, you know, off the cuff. So it's sort of like that was much more, um, I didn't have the confidence of that point or i suppose the reputation um well definitely not suppose definitely didn't have the reputation to um to sort of go i'm just doing a fish restaurant i mean that would be quite would have been quite arrogant of me but i think as over the time we built up our knowledge and people were more and more we got to a point where yeah, yeah we weren't selling the meat on the menu you know people weren't buying it they were like it was just being wasted and i said to him i said when we moved the restaurant to the hotel i said to the guy i said look if we're going to do it, let's do it now. We've got another restaurant next to us that serves, uh, uh, you know, a variety of food, meat, fish, and veggie stuff. You know, go for it with this, and then it's just stuck. And then, you know, we've it's very rarely now we got, we 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 go over the top with with um, vegetarian food because I love vegetables and I love vegetable based food. So, I mean, in terms, if you come to the restaurant now, we'll do we we do a, a fish menu or a veg menu, but we don't do a meat menu. 
Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, and is that is that the same in the fish kitchen where you or do you or do you just solely focus on fish there? Yeah, no, the same thing in the fish kitchen as well. But the fish kitchen, the difference between fish kitchen and Outlaws New Road, Outlaws New Road is is more, I suppose, British seafood dishes with local vegetables and everything being much more like that. Whereas the fish kitchen is like the naughty little brother or sister that sort of gets it, it's it, the, the food's a bit spicier, it's a bit more energy, it might have influence from different countries. It's a bit more different in that way. So. I try and sort of keep one that's a bit more, sort of, I suppose, conservative, a little bit more straightforward, and it's like about the, the, the actual where we are, and then the other one's a little bit reckless, and it, it, you know, it loves a party. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and like the just like where I suppose where do you see the the future now? I mean, having I suppose, uh, I mean, has new did new has new road got got one star or has it been reviewed yet or? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we we I mean we, I was fully expecting to because obviously announcing that we were changing the restroom and stuff and the water we were doing to it. Um and when we first opened, um I did a more of a, a choice menu, a bit of an a small a la carte, but that just didn't work for the actual balance of the restaurant. So we have we are back at a set menu, albeit it's not 140 pounds, it's 80 pounds. So it's nearly half the price, almost half the price of what it used to be. Um, but still the same. So it, it will, you know, 80 pounds is still a lot of money to a lot of people. But it, it's in terms of going out for a good meal nowadays. I mean, yeah, most places you go free courses in 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 a good pub, you, you're going to be spending that sort of money. So it, it's pretty affordable on that level. Um, but in terms so both restaurants currently run at the same sort of pricing and and it and because we only got 10 tables at outlaws new road and only four tables at the fish kitchen you know we we we, we sort of fill that up and we're very lucky because of um having small restaurants you know and uh but um yeah going going forward we hopefully we can sort of maybe have a few more tables and then i think probably the the next aim for us really is to sort of hopefully get some accommodation because the thing one thing that we've always missed um in what we we do is having somewhere for people to stay um because we are we're, we're five hours away for drive from from london if you want to drive from london you're five hours away so it, it, it'd be nice to have something like that i think that would round it off really uh, in terms of a, of a solid business because uh, it'd be just nice to be able for people for some of our guests to sort of just take it a bit easier after they finish and then and go and go and put their head down and, and enjoy it like that way so yeah no i, I think i completely agree with you and it's always i feel something that's missing in um in an ear is that uh, that that aspect of accommodation and particularly on the in the quieter parts of the year when people there aren't as many tourists around and i do think it would help where if people could yes could relax and just and just stay so it is it is certainly something um yeah. i think that and it, and it just uh, it just helps the business model i think particularly because you're focusing on such kind of high quality ingredients so that that, that getting people to stay and stay with you as opposed to stay with another hotel i think just help the, the whole package um um the whole package uh, come along yeah and and uh and uh when the did you say that uh that the new road had had already had had been reviewed by michelin and, and it had a star or 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 it 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 hasn't it has none at the moment 
Yeah, no, he did. So he sort of um, he got one star. So both the restaurants in Port Isaac have got one Michelin star, um, which is which is great. You know, it's really really good. It gives a sort of um, and I quite like that they're both on seen as at the same level because it helps me out. None of the staff think one's better than the other. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one one team, one team. And, you know, right. So yeah, it's good. Um, and yeah, but it's something we've. Um, yeah, I think the focus is more on in on. You know, I mean, I suppose once upon a time it would have been on the accolades and stuff, and I think every chef goes through that and in 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 that sort of thing, and it and it is right. I mean, I would never say any a bad word against any of like any accolade or things like that because I think it really helps your business, and I really think it really inspires people to come and work with you as well. So, I mean, it's, I've got nothing, but it's I suppose say whereas I sit here now as you know, a chef that's been you know, cooking since I was sixteen and. You know, now forty three. I, I, that's that's not what really gets me out of of bed. What gets me out of bed is 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 the team and and then getting in the kitchen and and enjoying what I do. Um, you know, you know, I you know, I'd been to I had a restaurant in Dubai and I was doing London and stuff like that. And to be honest with you, like five years ago, my my head was all over the place. You know, probably the first time I come to food on the edge, I didn't know whether I was coming or going. To be honest, <laughs> it's going yeah, yeah. a bit crazy. But now now I just seem like you know, I've got a, a new lease of life. I've got a new purpose and a new challenge and the whole thing see, uh, it, it's just nicer to be I mean I spent this whole summer on the pastry section you know I'm a bloody seafood chef and I yeah <laughs> I'm a pastry chef <laughs> but, um, so uh, I feel sorry for all those people that had to eat my pastry but uh, anyways uh, uh, not at all I've I, I seen your pastry in the book it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's good you know I think I think you're, 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 you're a kind of seafood you, you apply the what you know about seafood to pastry and I think it's they're always um like they're always to the point you know they're 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 uh i wouldn't say minimalist but there's always yeah. like deliciousness is 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 the key factor and even when you were were, were, were over with us in um uh in an ear when we did that time it was just that it was what's there is there and it has to be delicious there's no uh no kind of yeah. mess no kind of mess around which which is i suppose the way you got to be with fish so i i think yeah it, I think it would actually help because I think pastry is one of those places where often everything just goes out of control and you, yeah. you, you just, it gets more and more elaborate and yeah. it doesn't necessarily um, get uh, get better. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, when people, I mean, suppose people always see that mission and they see complicated food and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but you know, I think it's two years ago I took my wife to Paris and we went to um, Alain Passard's um, restaurant and that's the first time I'd eaten like free Michelin starred food you know established free Michelin star food and the simplicity was just what I was like this is what this is for me it's like you know when you know one of the desserts was just a quenelle of vanilla ice cream Fuck yeah, all else. Yeah. it was just that was that was it and I'm like Thank goodness, I'm not going mad. I thought that simplicity can work. Yeah. I, I, so, I had the exact same experience at our page when I went yeah. there for lunch, and I was like, "On, like either I'm thinking something wrong, or this is." I remember the fish. The fish uh, they present. It was just a piece of fish, and it was just cooked really well with um. I think it was a bit of puree or something else, but that was that was all there was to it. There was nothing. Yeah. Uh, nothing um, uh, overly elaborate on uh, on any of the courses, and yeah, I think I, I do think there will be a, a pushback, uh, probably because of staff and because of yeah. uh, COVID. That I do think that we that there will be um, 
a push back that way um, in 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 a, in a lot of restaurants because um, we're all going to be um, I suppose short on um, on staff for a, for a while yet I think and how how mm. is the staffing uh, in 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 the UK I suppose we haven't even I mean where I I know I, I won't keep it too much longer we haven't even talked about Brexit or like I suppose how in terms of staff and that but how is I suppose Brexit in internally for you in the UK or is it is it as I suppose it for for us in Ireland it just seems to be on the news every single day and it's like about Northern Ireland and uh, issues with food and travel but I mean is is a uh, is is it for you is it just a kind of side issue or is it affecting like fish or, or anything like that for you? Uh, on a personal level, breakfast is a shambles, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm just so embarrassed. I'm, I, it, it's embarrassing. I find it extremely embarrassing, to be honest with you. That you know, uh, because you know, uh, well, especially from an industry point of view. If I'm sort of being selfish and talking about our industry and hospitality, I mean, we the hospitality industry is made up by cultures, different cultures, different people from different walks of life, and that's the beauty of it. And the problem is, it, it, the Brexit is just so many steps away from that. Um, so that's yeah, that's one part of it that's just so embarrassing and annoying, you know. Because obviously, all the you know, wonderful people that would come from different countries and work just can't now, and or, or find it very difficult to. We've lost a couple. We had two very good Italian chefs who decided to go. You know, one's decided to leave and do something else, and the other one decided to go back to Italy. That's really disappointing. Uh, that's an awful pity. Yeah, and that's really, really, really hot, you know, and it's sort of, you know, I just don't like the way that, you know, being being English and being being from, you know, Britain and, you know, it's just sort of, it's just embarrassing, isn't it? And the actual, the fish side, I mean, I've, uh, the fishermen in Cornwall, and I, I know a lot of them obviously all got basically, you know, they got the wall over their eyes basically with the promises that they were going to get and clearly it's not going to happen you know with what you know with with regards to that i mean the only the only thing i'm very lucky is that i cook cornish fi- food and fish and and so my local suppliers you know it, it's fine i mean it must be harder for you i suppose when you've got a spanish you're a spanish restaurant so i suppose it's you know a bit more difficult but then ireland's still in the eu so it's probably not whereas i wouldn't want well, to it, it is like i suppose well, i never i mean and this is the issue this is the problem with again and i'd say the same like i was i suppose i feel bad i've got plenty of cousins and family in 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 england and and none of them uh i i think any of the people i know voted uh to leave it's that like the, the close connection we have with the uk but then also the uk as a land bridge and so a lot of the a lot of the food that comes to ireland comes via the uk and uh yeah. and like maybe not the fish that's coming in through the west and that but certainly um a lot of the the other products and i i i just i ordered something from england uh two weeks ago and i think it was i think it was um 60 euro and there was 30 euro tax on it because of hmm. uh, import duty and that's i was just like god like it's a, it's a third of the price of the uh, yeah. half the price of the of the of the product and so i hope uh, fingers crossed that they sort something out and yeah. i mean at the best possible one is that the uk just decide to join the eu again uh that'd be my that'd be my hope because uh yeah. i just think it's awful that i mean when people even young chefs now who have to want to go work in europe have to get a visa and vice versa and it's just I think we we had the best of all possible worlds in the sense that we could just travel around, and uh, I, I think yeah. 
think yeah. that actually, as you were saying about the staff, I mean, the whole multiculturalism in the kitchen is probably one of the reasons why I went into the kitchen in the first place. It was different. Like, it wasn't just like an office where everyone was the same. Like, I suppose the kitchen attracts all sorts of characters. And I kind of love the fact that some people would be from Europe, some from America, South America. You just never knew where someone was going to be from. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the real shame about the whole thing is it's like, well, I suppose, yeah, like I said, being, being in hospitality, it's just, that's what create, that's, that's the, the backbone of, of great hospitality is, is the, is the way that it's so diverse. And, uh, it, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just super embarrassing. And any any plans? Uh, I promise this is my last question. Any plans to, to to go back to London or to open a place in London? Or are you are you happy out or uh, at the moment? Never. You've seen you've seen the light. You want to you want to yeah. relax. Yeah. No. I I I I think you know what you. I mean, I I think you just from my point of view. I mean, I'm very lucky to have been given the opportunities to do restaurants in London, to have like a restaurant in yeah restaurant in Dubai, and to do you know some crazy stuff. But I I think having that time to reflect and coming back to your, probably your first question from the whole podcast about Brexit about the sorry about the um, lockdown and 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 COVID and stuff is that. The time's just given me to realise that, you know, Port Isaac and where I am in Cornwall is, is, it's fine. It's fine. It's brilliant. You know, I've got everything I need here. I don't, you know, the, I'd like to say, not that, you know, the financial side of it is good. I mean, it's seasonal, but you, you manage that and we're doing it a long time. And yeah, I think going, there's no need. I don't think London needs my food and I don't think, yeah, the rest of the world needs what I do. I, I think if you want to come and try my food and try try our food and what we do and the hospitality we give, come to Cornwall. Yeah, that's, that's where you're going no, to get honestly, the best I, of it. I completely agree with you. And I, I think that we, we never opened a restaurant in, in Dublin, but we certainly had opportunity. And yeah. I'm glad retrospectively that, that we didn't because mm-hmm. I suppose the more, as you said, when you like say when you came to Food and the Age the first time, as you spread yourself more and more and more, like uh, you, you you turn into, a, I suppose, an administrator, you know what I mean? And it's just so yeah. hard to to try and just get back to the stove and, and cook in the way that you, that you, I suppose, where it all began, you know, I, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that uh that is um i think that's something that that you want that i certainly want to want to hold on to but look uh it has been great talking to you nathan and uh was so anyone listening if they're one that if they if they can't get to cornwall nathan has a whole host of uh beautiful seafood books um i have a few of them and they are they're wonderful and uh and great and i always we always need encouragement encouragement to eat more seafood i don't know if that's still the case in england but it's certainly the case in ireland outside restaurants but to try and get more more people cooking seafood at home uh, and and just in just enjoying it i think often there's a perception that it's um that it's difficult but it certainly isn't but look nathan thank you so much and hopefully i will see you uh, in ireland or you'll see me in cornwall someday soon i can't wait you take care bye thanks very much man